It can be hard to see the challenges the people we work with are facing. Addressing these invisible struggles can make us and our companies healthier. Join Holly Robinson-Pete on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Last December, Donald Trump declared victory over ISIS and said American troops were pulling out of Syria. We have won against ISIS. We've beaten them and we've beaten them badly. We've taken back the land. And now it's time for our troops to come back home. But not all U.S. troops actually left. About 1,000 stayed behind. And then, about two weeks ago, President Trump and the president of Turkey got on the phone. That phone call set off a cascade of other events. Virtually all U.S. troops are now leaving Syria. Russia, Syria, and Iran are moving in to fill a power vacuum. And Turkey is carrying out a violent incursion into the country. Today, Vice President Mike Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo traveled to Turkey to try and reel in the chaos that's unfolded in the wake of that one phone call. And this afternoon, Pence announced a pause in the fighting. Today on the show, why the removal of just a few dozen U.S. troops on the border of Syria and Turkey set off a chain of events that has reshuffled power in the Middle East. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, October 17th. Between Trump's decision to withdraw troops from this part of Syria and Pence's trip today, a lot has transpired. Turkey invaded. Russian troops have also moved in. Civilians have been killed, and the balance of power in the Middle East has been reshaped. And it's all happening in a small area of the Middle East that's currently held by a group of people called the Kurds. The Kurds in this region have sort of been a dispossessed group dating back to the Ottoman Empire. They're predominantly based in this part of the world. They live in the intersection of the borders of Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and Syria. Dion Nissenbaum covers the Middle East from a noisy office in Beirut. He's covered the Pentagon and spent time in the Kurdish areas of Turkey. And they had hoped in the olden days that they would get their own state. And that never happened with world powers and the redrawing of borders. And so they've sort of been a minority in each of these countries. And in this zone, between countries and allegiances, the Kurds have been aligned with many people. Most recently, they've aligned with the United States in the fight against ISIS. Well, for them, it was a matter of survival. Uh, The U.S. started working with these Kurdish fighters in 2014 when Islamic State was expanding its caliphate in Iraq and Syria. And in 2014, Islamic State moved into northeastern Syria, which is a predominantly Kurdish area. And the U.S. has equally relied on the Kurds to help keep the area stable. And together, the U.S. and the Kurds in northern Syria have maintained a balance there. But one of the countries that borders this region has never been happy with the U.S.-Kurdish relationship. And that's Turkey. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has warned that the Kurdish people could be a threat to Turkey. 
President Erdogan saying, wait, what are you doing? You're working with these Kurdish fighters that we consider terrorists. This is unacceptable to us. We're not going to allow you to do it. And the U.S. saying back to them, look, we've got to defeat Islamic State. That's our top priority. And we're going to work with them. Why did Turkey believe that they were terrorists? The Kurds in Turkey, over the decades, they've carried out a variety of terrorist attacks and suicide bombings in an effort to obtain rights or potentially get autonomy in Turkey and the group in Syria has no ambitions to attack Turkey. So for years, the U.S. government has sort of tried to balance these competing interests with Turkey saying, you're working with terrorists in Syria, they're a threat to us, you need to stop working with them. And the Kurdish fighters who are working alongside America's elite fighters to eliminate Islamic State and American military officials and the Pentagon saying these are critical fighters. These are the people that helped us defeat Islamic State, and we need to stand by them. Turkey has remained unhappy with the arrangement, and over the last few months, it's been getting ready to do something about it. Turkey was trying to push the Syrian Kurdish fighters off the border. The Syrian Kurdish forces controlled hundreds of miles of the border, and Turkey saw them as a threat. In September, and through most of the fall, in fact, the U.S. and Turkey were trying to work on a peaceful plan to essentially come up with a what they called a safe zone or a buffer zone plan in which the Kurdish fighters in Syria would move away from the Turkish border. And they were in the process of doing this. In fact, the, the Kurdish fighters in Syria had removed a bunch of barriers and fortifications on, on the border. They had moved back from the border in a few places to try and send a message that they were willing to compromise. But President Erdogan was getting impatient. Erdogan wanted the Kurds to get off the border with Turkey, and it wasn't happening fast enough for him. So he set a deadline for the U.S. to figure out a peace deal. The deadline, September 30th. When that date came, Kurdish forces hadn't moved, and the U.S. hadn't finalized its peace deal yet. So President Erdogan had said, we're going to move in our forces Turkish military and their Syrian allies were massing on the Turkey-Syria border, preparing to go in. And President Trump sets up this call with President Erdogan to try and avert the Turkish military from going in. So there were Turkish troops on the border with Syria and on the border of this area where the Americans were. And President Trump initiated the call, initially thinking that he would be trying to get Erdogan to back down. That's right, yes. He was trying to get Erdogan to continue to give them more time. And President Erdogan basically said, forget it. We've given you plenty of time. We're not willing to wait any longer. I'm sending the forces in. And so then what did President Trump eventually actually end up saying on this phone call? You know, there's been, there's been a lot of conflicting reporting about this. And from my vantage point, I have to say, it's not entirely clear what he said, and what the decisions were. So what happened on that call? The first line that we got was from the Turkish side, which sort of made it sound like they were still going to continue to talk, they were still going to continue to work things out, and things were progressing. But that impression that nothing had changed was turned on its head a few hours later. The White House puts out its own statement saying that 
President Erdogan has decided to go in. We've tried to stop him. We're pulling back our forces from the immediate vicinity, and we are relinquishing responsibility for all the Islamic State fighters to Turkey. It's now their responsibility. And it sort of led to this cascade of chaos that we're still seeing unfolding in Syria today. On its face, this decision seems kind of small. Trump was deciding to move about 50 American troops. But these troops represented something really significant. And when politicians back in the U.S. heard that they were leaving, both Democrats and Republicans were extremely upset. So there's pretty broad bipartisan support for the idea that the United States forces should stay in Syria to make sure that Islamic State doesn't rise again and become a threat to the region and the world. So the U.S. has been there with these troops carrying out counterterrorism missions almost every day. There was actually quite a high tempo of these kinds of raids going on. And this has been the argument by Republicans and Democrats, including some of President Trump's closest allies, that the U.S. can't abandon Syria. We can't abandon our Kurdish allies who helped us defeat Islamic State because we risk the possibility that they will rise again. We've seen this play out time and again. People pointed to President Obama's decision to withdraw from Iraq and end our, our major military presence there, which some argue paved a way for Islamic State to rise in the, in the region. And so a lot of his allies went to him and said, you can't, you can't abandon the fight against Islamic State. This is going to create risks for us down the road. And it's a small number of American forces. There's a lot of bang for the buck. There was also a lot of concern about how this would look to other U.S. allies. That's the other important element here, especially from the Pentagon and the special forces guys on the ground that work side by side with the Kurds saying thousands of Kurdish fighters were killed to defeat Islamic State and we can't just abandon them. Despite these concerns, U.S. troops moved out and Turkey saw its opening. The actions that President Trump took by pulling back U.S. forces effectively removed a major obstacle to Erdogan launching the military offensive. Because if you have U.S. forces at small outposts on the Turkey-Syria border where Erdogan wants to come in, that's a pretty significant deterrent if you have the potential of firing on American forces who would have the ability to fire back if they're uh, attacked. So last week, on Wednesday, Turkish-backed forces moved into northeast Syria. It began with airstrikes and artillery in a limited area of about 70 miles on the Turkey-Syria border. But the violence quickly began to spiral. And what you've seen over the last week or so from these Turkish-backed fighters are apparent war crimes. There's been videos of them shooting people on the street, executing fighters on the street. There's allegations that they executed civilians in convoys. U.S. officials are calling them bandits. You know, the U.S. officials are saying these guys are are the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Because there were a lot of civilians that were in this area as well. Yeah, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that fled the fighting from other parts of Syria. This is an open desert. There, yeah, This is where, where people live. And you know, over the last 10 days, I've, I've seen a lot of graphic images of dead children and airstrikes on, um, on um, civilian convoys. And 
I uh, don't think that that should be forgotten. Um, these are innocent civilians that are caught in the middle of a multi-sided war, and they don't they don't have anywhere to go. You know, a lot of these people are refugees that that fled fighting elsewhere, and there there's there's nowhere left for them to go anymore, and and they're they're in the crosshairs. Yeah, I can't even imagine what they must be going through. It's 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 terrible, and this is not a, a settled situation. The situation became so chaotic that even though those 50 troops had moved out of northern Syria, other U.S. troops found themselves in harm's way. U.S. forces are just now sort of stuck on their bases. And a few days into the fighting, one of these U.S. bases is, is essentially caught in artillery barrage from Turkish artillery. So these uh, Turkish artillery shells hit within a few hundred yards of the base. That's very close for artillery. And there were American officials who thought this was a deliberate attempt by the Turkish military to essentially scare the U.S. into getting out entirely. And so then you have this, this situation where you're having a debate within the U.S. administration over what do we do. That artillery attack close to the U.S. base happened on Friday. And by Sunday morning... Well, the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, for his first Sunday show appearance. Mrs. Secretary, welcome to Fox News Sunday. Chris, thank you for having me on today. I have to assume you're... On the Sunday morning talk shows, Defense Secretary Mark Esper announces... On the phone, I've talked to the president, and he is concerned. And so last night, he directed that we begin a deliberate withdrawal of U.S. forces from the northern part of Syria. The U.S. is pulling all of its forces out. So the decision to pull the 50 troops back from the border on the previous Sunday, now becomes a decision by the president to get all of the U.S. forces out of northeastern Syria as soon as possible because the situation has become so chaotic and dangerous that it's impossible for the U.S., uh, in his mind, to stay there and safely operate. If the removal of just 50 U.S. troops had led to alleged war crimes, bloodshed in a foreign government trying to take over a territory, this proposal to remove all remaining troops from northeastern Syria threatened to take things to a whole new level. And it did. That's after the break. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier too. Join Holly Robinson Pete and her guests on the Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. With over 350 million global monthly visitors and candidate matching technology, Indeed helps you find quality candidates fast. As a listener of this show, Indeed is giving you a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thejournalpod. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. When the U.S. decided to leave northeastern Syria, 
The Kurds were left without the ally that had been so crucial to them during the fight against ISIS and the ally that had been protecting them from Turkey. So as Turkey moved in, the Kurds had to defend themselves. The Kurds respond by redeploying as many forces as they can towards the border. So the fight against Islamic State, the the counterterrorism operations with U.S. forces comes to an abrupt end because all these fighters now have to turn their attention to trying to defeat Turkey and prevent them from seizing the ground. So Mm -hmm. one of the first effects is the fight against Islamic State, the efforts to deter Islamic State end. This meant that no one was doing the daily work to help keep Islamic State fighters at bay. It also meant there were fewer guards to watch their prisons. There are still somewhere around 10 or 11,000 Islamic State detainees that are being held by these Kurdish forces. And, you know, another 70 to 100,000 Islamic State women and children who are in these detention centers in northeastern Syria. And some Islamic State fighters have already escaped from these prisons. The Islamic State has carried out a few car bombs in the area, and Islamic State definitely seems to be trying to capitalize on the chaos to regroup. As the Islamic State threatens to regroup, the Kurds are also dealing with how to find new allies now that the United States is no longer behind them. And they've resorted to a partnership with one of America's adversaries. And so they turn to the Syrian regime and President Assad for help and ask President Assad to come north and basically fill the vacuum and protect them from Turkey. Syria is a complex and murky war. And there are definitely American officials over the years telling them that, look, you don't don't count on America, especially after President Trump said last December that we were getting out. There are American officials who told the Kurds, like, look, the writing's on the wall. We're going to be leaving, and for your own safety and security, you probably need to be making your own, your own arrangements with, uh, with the Syrian regime. Civil war has been ravaging Syria for almost a decade. And while many Syrians were fighting against their government— The Kurds in Syria have been operating under their own interests. That's why they teamed up with the U.S. But as the civil war has progressed, the Syrian government and its president, Bashar al-Assad, has also been looking for allies. And his two biggest allies, Russia and Iran. So Russia and Iran were the two countries that assured that Syrian President Assad was able to retain power. Russia provided Assad with the air power and the firepower, essentially, to defeat and beat back the Syrian rebels. And Iran provided Assad with the ground forces through various proxies. Because Russia and Iran are involved in the conflict— When U.S. troops withdrew from the region, they filled the vacuum. Russian troops moved in to some of the empty U.S. bases. For me, one of the sort of most telling and striking moments of what's happened so far is one of the bases that was recently abandoned by the U.S. was very quickly taken over by Syrian fighters and and apparently Russian forces. And uh, there was a Russian journalist who 
filmed himself taking a tour of this U.S. base. And it, it was evocative for me because it was very clear this was an, an American military base. This wasn't any sort of propaganda video. It was, it was clearly uh, Russian forces, Syrian forces taking over an abandoned military base. It was clear that America had left in some haste. There were some tractors there. The weightlifting equipment was still there. There were still refrigerators full of Coke and milk and it's, you know, it was sort of a, uh, an FU, a, you know, a middle finger to America to have, you know, Russians walking around this base and saying, oh, look, here's their, here's their Coke, here's their Cheerios, and they're gone. And here we are, you know, basically hours after they left where we're filling the void that America has worked for, for years to uh, prevent us from filling. And now we have the power. This did not look good for the U.S. internationally. Russia had entered U.S. bases. Hundreds of women and children associated with ISIS broke free from a camp. And fighters backed by the Turkish government were killing Kurds and trying to take over their territory. As all of this unfolded, the White House tried to contain some of the damage. One of the ways it did this was to say that it was punishing Turkey for its actions by imposing economic sanctions. It really seems sort of like an effort to close the barn door after the horses have left. Uh, I believe I saw some reporting that um, the Turkish lira had actually strengthened after the, they were imposed because they were seen as sort of so inconsequential. But the response to these sanctions indicated that the U.S. hadn't done enough. The incursion continued, and Erdogan said he wouldn't stop. So today, the U.S. took its biggest step yet. Vice President Mike Pence and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo traveled to Turkey and met with Erdogan. And this afternoon, Pence announced what he called a ceasefire in northeastern Syria, a ceasefire long enough to withdraw Kurdish troops, which are known as the YPG. Today, the United States and Turkey have agreed to a ceasefire in Syria. The Turkish side will pause... Operation Peace Spring, in order to allow for the withdrawal of YPG forces from the safe zone for 120 hours. Turkey will pause its military operations for five days. And once that is completed, Turkey has agreed to a permanent ceasefire, and the United States of America will work with Turkey. Uh, We think the agreement today first uh, ends the violence, which is what President Trump sent us here to do. In exchange for the ceasefire, the U.S. government said it will end the sanctions it had just imposed. But almost immediately following the announcement, Turkey's foreign minister stressed that this agreement was just a pause and that Turkey will only actually stop its incursion once the Kurdish forces had fully left the region which means that Turkey's goal remains to put the area under its control. What's striking to me about this whole situation is how just such a small number of troops in one corner of Syria, moving that small number of people sort of set off this whole series of chain events that in many ways has reshaped some of the power dynamics in the Middle East. Well, that's. I think that's the the strength of America as a as a superpower. These are 
a few number of troops on the border, but they they have the might of America behind them. You know, if they if they got in trouble, there would be American fighter jets overhead that would be able to protect them in in a couple of minutes. America, for a long time, has increased its influence around the world by building alliances, whether it's with large alliances like NATO or small partnerships with the Kurds. And now that partnership has been broken and there are already other allies in the region around the world that wonder what does it mean if America is willing to walk away from the Kurdish fighters that helped America defeat Islamic State? What's going to happen when, when we need America to come to our defense? That's all for today, Thursday, October 17th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.